Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Frontside Podcast, episode 64. My name is Charles Lowell. I'm a developer here at the Frontside. I'm here with Jeffrey Cherawadi. Hello, Jeffrey. Hey there. And uh, with us today is someone also at the Frontside, but not one of our developers. Her name is Ginger Whalen. Just to give you a little bit of backstory on her and why I'm so excited to have her on the podcast is we... About the middle of last year began a search to bring someone on to help manage and grow and just, you know, have their eye on our business pipeline because that's something that's really, really critical, it turns out, to a software agency is making sure that we have clients. So we put together a pretty extensive search plan and then we executed it and it was, I think, about six months, but in the end, we ended up hiring her. The reason we did was because she had a very unique take on what we would typically deem the sales process. And so we learned a lot about it and so wanted to have her on the show so that we could just kind of share it with our, I would say, mostly skewed on the technical side audience uh, about what a healthy sales process might look like. So welcome, Ginger. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. And it's so funny when people talk about sales and they say to me, oh, you're a salesperson. I, I, I think that's so funny because I've never viewed people to be in sales and people not to be in sales. I mean, to me, I think everybody's in sales because all sales is to me is somebody just exploring somebody's problems with them. And then when the time's right, you educate them and then you help them see the value of acting on some solution. Right. So who doesn't do that? We all do that. We all do that. And we, you know, we do it in our day to day when we're proposing and discussing and talking about technical solutions. The same principle may be applied at a different level. Yeah. Some people are just on the hook for it. You know, that their professional goals are kind of tied to that end game. Yeah. So one of the things that, uh, you know, struck me as kind of setting you apart when we were doing the interview process is the way in which I want to say the focus of building those relationships and kind of uh, the focus on understanding and understanding who exactly potential customers are and trying to categorize them and, and, you know, tailor our message so that we can actually maybe help them. Um, maybe you could, you know, explain a little bit uh, about that, what the, the, the front half of that process looks like. Sure. So yeah, that's kind of the bigger subject. I guess sales is the exchange, you know, the educating and helping somebody solve a problem, get what they want to solve that problem. But if you're not speaking in their language, and sometimes you hear the term knocked around, you know, personas, the persona you're talking to or the person you're talking to. Uh, if you're not speaking in their language or addressing their pain, talking about their problems, then it just, you know, so boring to them. It doesn't really seem like it's going to solve their problem. And you just don't hit, you don't hit the target right. And you're probably not going to make a sale in the end. <laughs> so yeah, that's what we talked about when we first started talking with Charles and the front side team. We talked about personas, you know, who are you approaching? What are their pains, their business pains, their pains with their engineering team? What do they come to the table with? And what would they like you to help them solve? And that takes, you know, the subject today, we're going to get into this a little bit later about empathy. And that is really what it's all about is that gift of really understanding somebody else's experiences, somebody else's problems, their emotions. And you know how we use that in sales is what we're going to talk about a little bit more today. Yeah, I really like that because the drive there is to maybe not always shoot for a sale, right? To, to really try and understand, like you said, someone's problems and, and just go out there and talk with, interview, listen to a lot of different people and realize you're not going to 
be a good match for most of those people out there. You know, and if that's the case, not trying to view that as, you know, as a, a as a potential opportunity that you want to just kind of force through, but rather, you know, say, hey, how can I help this person even when it's not through my services? And and developing that and having this the sales process because I you know, I think we tend to have a stereotype of what it is as being like I have a goal. You know, I when I want to interact with this person, uh, what my agenda is is to you know is actually to make a sale to them. It's clearly not like that, and it, I think it varies from business to business. But that's kind of the stereotype that I had in my head before this process began. And it feels a little easier as an engineer to me to be able to say what I'm trying to do is solve your problem versus what I'm trying to do is kind of a self-centered like I want to have your business you know that's that's a very different uh, approach to the problem that's so funny because I view it as exactly the same as what you guys do so you you're solving problems you know the end game is you're going to write this code to figure this out to do this thing and this thing is your end goal that's the same thing I'm doing is I'm trying to fit my solution with this person but the means to get there like I just I have to let it unfold and sometimes it's really hard and sometimes it's really complicated and takes a lot of code and a lot of trying and then trying something different and then that broke and then trying something different again and sales is the same thing especially in at this level when you're with a consultancy you have multiple buyers or multiple personas out there you're selling up into an organization, you know, it can get pretty complex and you can have some fits and starts just like you do when you guys are coding, trying to solve a problem. Yeah. So now these personas, um, this was actually something that was really interesting to me, the kind of the introduction is this kind of as you understand the problems and pain points, trying to collect them into kind of related, you know, this this person, this this type of person has these general challenges and problems that need to be solved. How do you develop, go about developing those personas? What is a persona and, and how do you go about developing them? Sure. So, so a persona, first you have to know who your decision maker is in an organization. And then from that, you develop your different personas. Now, some of these personas are the absolute decision maker at the end. So the guy is going to sign. And then some of those personas are influencers throughout an organization. So, for example, in this field, we talk often to a lead developer, we talk to the VP engineering, we talk to CTOs, we talk to presidents and CEOs of organizations. So they have probably have different organizational goals, different things they're on the hook for. They have a common vision, absolutely, that they're all working towards, so maybe a business growth goal uh, that they're working towards. But the VP engineering might care more about the cohesiveness and the development of his team. Uh, so he's going to be really looking for an engineering team that fits well with his team. He wants to make sure that the productivity doesn't go down. He makes, wants to make sure that this team merges well with his. So he's thinking about lowering his risk through this experience, keeping everything smooth. Whereas somebody at a different level, you know, CEO is maybe maybe looking at something a little bit different. Are we going to hit this deadline so we can get this product out, so we can get our first customer, so we can get some revenue in? You know, maybe he's just looking at bottom line numbers. So if, if they come to the table and they have all these different problems or different pains, you really have to speak to each one of them about their pain and make sure you're addressing that. You know, that takes some empathy, not sympathy, not saying, oh, my gosh, I feel so sorry for you. You have all these problems. <laughs> you know, that's that's sympathy. That's pity. <laughs> right. you know? But, you know, empathy is not 
about like telling your story. Oh yeah, that happened to me. No, it's about understanding their story. So it really does take some listening in the beginning to develop your personas and to really get, not coming to the table saying, I think this is what his problem should be because he's this guy, this level in this organization, but really listening to them and letting them tell you what their concerns might be. And don't be afraid to ask for those because that is how you develop those personas. Right. So you have to, you really just have to walk in a lot of different shoes. It sounds like you just, and, and then write down those stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of what the persona is, is kind of writing down the narrative based on trying to discover people's actual experiences. Yeah. Yeah. So not, not so much, you know, old days, they'd say personas are about demographics. Uh, so this, this guy is about this age and eats this for breakfast and lives here and has this sort of family life. You know, now it's it's a lot more developed than that now. And it really, again, focuses on their pain. Because as your consultant in there, that's what they want. They want somebody that's going to be able to, yes, educate them on their services or something in the industry, teach them something about their business would be great. But what they're really looking for is someone to help them solve these problems. Help me solve these problems. Can you do that? And I would choose that person to work with if they can help me solve my problems. So, so much of this, this process feels like uh, it's a lot of listening, right? It's a lot of deducing what their problems are from, based on what you're being told. At what point in the process do we present a solution? Yeah, good question. The timing, just like the timing of a joke, you know, it's really important. The pauses <laughs> and when to do what in the joke are just uh, flat, right? Right. During the process, you know, when you're gathering information, you're also qualifying them. So as you're asking these questions and getting them to reveal their problems and pains, you have some questions you really need to get answered too. This isn't just a, you know, let's go have coffee together and talk about your pains. It's it's really you are qualifying them and you have some strict qualifying questions that you know about an ideal client for your company. Some of those qualifiers might be how many employees do they have? Uh, what size company are they? What stage of growth are they in? Are they hyper growth? Are they scaling? Are they a startup? Are they in a certain silo of business? You know, do you do especially well in education or energy? And then triggers, you know, what's going on with their business? Did they have a lot of recent personnel changes? Is that a trigger that usually helps you uh, segment your ideal client profile? Have they just had an acquisition? Is that a good trigger or signal that they're a qualified prospect for you? So while you're asking these questions, and again, uh, identifying your personas, going through their pains, you're also qualifying them. So I'd say, when do you go to the part where you're selling? Uh, you know, Charles has been on sales calls with me, and he's probably already noticed that you're always selling the value of your organization. So yes, you're you're always selling. But as far as giving them a solution to their problem, you wait for that. You don't give that away right away. I think you can miss your chance or miss the punchline if you give that away too soon. So I'd say once you truly understand their problem and then you get agreement from them that this is a problem, this is really important to solve, and there's some urgency tied to that, when you have those things, then you can begin your presentation and show them that you have a solution to that problem. But those those two parts about once identifying the problem to really find out that they agree, play it back to them that this is a problem. How does it affect them? And is there urgency tied to it? That's what you need to know before you propose a solution, I'd say. It's interesting that you mentioned how much empathetic sales process also requires introspection and that 
besides understanding the customer's pain points and what problems they need solved, you also have to recognize what problems we are able to solve and what problems we enjoy solving. Uh, and that's, I, I think, counterintuitive that empathy requires inter- introspection. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Because it's not, yeah, and it's really the ability you have to intellectually and emotionally identify with somebody. And yeah, to the point where you can really experience what their attitude or their emotion or their feelings is. And that's definitely a introspective sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Not the typical old school salesperson, right? It's just blah, blabbering all over the place, being an extrovert, telling their story. You know, it really is in more of an introspective, I'll even say introvert way of selling. And that's, that's, uh, it can be very powerful. As you kind of do that listening and do that introspection and then kind of develop this understanding of your clientele via these personas, once these personas are developed, how do you kind of integrate them back into the business development process? That's a good test is to say, okay, can I really put myself in this person's shoes? Okay, so do I understand them? Do I have a better bond with them now because there's a mutual respect because we understand each other's experiences and thoughts and attitudes, pains and problems about something? Can I put myself in this person's shoes? You spend time listening and talking and introspecting and developing these personas of your clientele. And so then how do you actually, with that information in hand, use that to kind of build your business development process? Now that you have this information, how do you actually leverage it on a macroscopic scale? It's like I'm, I'm kind of out there in the world now. I've got these personas in my toolbox. And you know, how do I go out there and interact uh, with people based on that? Okay. So the personas, I, I view that as kind of an overlay over a sales process. So that's the umbrella over the whole sales process. And a sales process, you know, we do our first calls, our connect calls, or our exploratory calls, again, where we're learning about the company and their products, getting to know our personas. And then as you understand that persona, when you get into their goals and their plans and their challenges, you know, when you're in the discovery part of your part of your sales process, that's the part where you can transfer those points of pain and their challenges into your solutions. Again, that's just a part of the conversation where it's you're speaking about value of the company, you're letting them know you understand their pains. When you get to the presentation, you know, this isn't real explicit. It's not explicit in saying, you know, I know this is a this is a pain, this is a problem you have. You kind of turn it on its head and you take those challenges that they've told you about and weave those into your solutions. And it's kind of where the rubber hits the road there, because if your solutions don't solve their problem, it's absolutely where you're going to figure that out when you're presenting or when you're getting ready for that presentation. So would it help if we talked about, you know, maybe one of those personas and kind of wove that through the sales process? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Okay. So let's, um, popular one with our type of business, right? The VP of engineering. So the VP engineering, when we're talking to him, we're really trying to understand what he values, uh, what's important to him in his work, what problems need to get solved. So, you know, we talked about, uh, this person really caring about quality, the quality of the work and the value that they're getting for their money. We talked about their team developing, uh, learning as they work with us. If that's important, you know, we're probably going to really stress uh, the quality of our service. So how, how do we do that? We're going to talk about the way we code, the way we test, 
the way we build software. We're going to give them supporting evidence, some case studies of how this has played out. If we're going to talk about the value in this, we're going to talk about maybe how we've reduced some time. For example, build health. We've done that recently with a client where he's getting better value for his money because we're talking about his build health and reducing some of the time to build. Uh, if he's talking about the development of his of his team, if that's something he's really concerned about, is my team going to continue learning? Maybe we can present a story or a case study about a team that when we arrived, it looked this way. And when we left, it looked this way. They had these additional skills. I don't know. Maybe you can jump in here, but maybe there's a there's a client we worked in where their skills were totally transformed yeah. with us pair programming or working alongside them. Something like that might be real important to a VP of engineering. Yeah. Yeah. No. So one of the things that this process has kind of taught me and, and made me see, try to cast for wherever I can find it is actually trying to really quantify and measure that value. Uh, and I know that's really hard because what we do is development. And that's a really long process. And it's very, you know, if the product you're developing is successful, boy, that thing that you put in there is worth a lot of money. You know, if it, you know, tanks, then it's worth nothing at all. And if it's fact, you know, the, the thing that you did was negative value because it was just sunk cost. And so those are two huge extremes. And it feels like, how do you get a little bit more fine grained uh, in that and say, here's this activity that we're proposing. And, you know, it's going to save this much money. And and you hear a lot of this people saying that you should try and do this. But, you know, how do you actually go about it? And And one of the things that, you know, kind of working in this way has taught me is really to try and you know, wherever possible, it's not always possible, but attach monetary value to the trade-offs that you're proposing in the solutions. Like saying, what is the impact of the work that we're going to be proposing? We think it will save you $30,000. When someone actually takes a look at that and says, oh, you know, okay, that is a lot of money. Or that is, you know, we think that it'll say this could save you 50 developer hours per month. They say, wow, that is a lot of time, which again, equates into a lot of money. That would be huge. I'm sure that would make him smile. Right, exactly. And so, um, but it, it is, it is. Um, I don't know, you always hear that, mm -hmm. but it's trying to be more deliberate about it and really, you know, you have to think about, you have to think a lot about it to try and get to that level. Yeah, and you just helped me think of something, you know, thinking about it all the way to the bottom line like that is terrific because in this situation of VP engineering, that persona, you know, that person might have to sell it up the organization. And maybe he has to sell it to the CEO. And maybe the CEO is not going to spend as much time with us, may not even meet us directly. So those bottom line numbers might be really important for this persona to internally sell to the person that's actually going to give it the nod. And how about their concern about, you know, are we going to get it right the first time? You know, how do we help them get comfortable with that? That's one of those risk issues that a VP engineering might have. So knowing the thing about your persona and knowing the pain that your persona has, mm -hmm. all these things can be woven into your presentation. This is where, the again, the empathy comes in because you are speaking to their pains, their problems. This is an emotional sale. I don't care how technical uh, something is. I mean, it, it is always in the end, it's going to be an emotional decision. It really is. Who's, who's right. that author we were talking about that? Daniel Kahneman, his book out there, Thinking Fast and Slow. And he did this study where he analyzed people, super, super wicked, smart people. And then, you know, the rest of us, smart people, but, but normal people. And he gave them different decision-making challenges. And in the end, they watched the brain patterns. 
And in the end, the part of the brain that lit up was the emotional part lit up, not the rational side, even though they may have weighed all the evidence and maybe had a much more complex rational decision-making process with their data. And in the end, the part of the brain that lit up was the emotional side, no matter who it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good to know, right? <laughs> it's a, what is it? A, an adaptation that our brains work so that we actually think that we're acting rationally. Yeah. So we fool ourselves into that. But most of the time people are making decisions with their guts. That's how smart we are. We'll fool ourselves that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's the ultimate trick. I'm curious. So how do you actually... When you have this process in place, you know, you're developing, leaning on these personas, weaving them in to your solutions and the story that you're going to be presenting uh, to your clients. How do you iterate on that? Just like we iterate on software, how do you, how do you make those incremental improvements and take what you're learning and then feed that back into the rest of the, the process? Hmm. First, I'd like to answer that kind of on a human level. I think the way we all learn this is we just, we practice it. So as we put ourselves in another person's shoes, here's the part about it is when we're, when we're really dialed into empathy, we're dialed into that feeling or that emotion somebody has, we're, we're, sh we're sharing in that feeling. So to do that effectively, and even when you're presenting a solution to your persona, sales situation, talking to your husband or wife, talking to your daughter, you know, words matter. You really do have to choose wisely and your tone of voice matters. And if you're in person with them, your body language and the volume you're using, those are some of the, some of the things that I think help when you're presenting or in really in any situation to really express that you're with them and you're with them on the emotion. So if it's something um, you haven't experienced, let's say that, that it's something you haven't experienced, this this VP of engineering, you know, maybe he just had a huge failure. They did not get it right the first time. Their software broke. The money he wanted to spend on it, proving that it was great, he had to spend on fixing it and starting over. So maybe that never happened to you. Hopefully it hasn't. <laughs> But uh, you feel the heaviness of it and you know sadness, right? He's sad. He's desperate. He's scared. He's going to lose his job. You've had those emotions. So that's what you can join him in is in that emotion. Not pity, you poor thing. More like, oh, that sounds really tough. Wow, that doesn't sound like fun. That's empathy. So you're, you're there. you're there with him. And weaving that into your presentation, again, not just blowing it off, and okay, well, let's just, let's not have that happen again. Let's just, because it won't happen that way with us. Here's our solution. That is blowing your chance <laughs> to have some empathy and sit with them in that emotion for a bit before you get onto your solution. So that, that would be one way to weave it into the presentation. But that takes something for him to share something like that with you too, because he knows you're going to counter it and say, that's not us. But does he know you're going to share in that emotion? You know, hey, that didn't sound like fun. Wow. Heavy. Yeah. I'm curious, uh, and this is maybe a little bit of a curveball for you, but as you, you know, um, come into every business is unique. Uh, and I think doing UI consulting is one unique business about many. What has kind of been the biggest challenge of coming into this space uh, and trying to develop a, a clientele inside of it? Well, the, the trick for me, since I don't have a heavy technical background, is to get away from the technical conversations. So since that's not my strength, I can bring in you guys, you know, bring in a team when it's when it's right, when that person's qualified. 
But the challenge with me is to find the business people that really want to talk about, we had this great idea, but we didn't have enough bandwidth to execute on it. I couldn't get the idea sold internally. And it was, yeah, it was just too complicated for us to achieve. You know, if I can get those conversations going where we're really, we're talking about pains, we're talking about business problems that you can approach in any business you go into. It doesn't matter what the end game is and what, what we're selling. Uh, really, really doesn't. Everybody has these business problems to get people to talk about these business problems, you know, is the key to make those contacts, to get them to open up about those business problems, business pains, then you can qualify them and you know, see if it's a fit for your solution. That's been the challenge is to initiate those conversations with people because people do, you know, want to get technical quickly and uh, to back them up and to talk about the business first, because in the end, it probably does have to get approved by somebody that's really is thinking about the business pains and business problems maybe differently than this person's thinking about it. So you want to do the work in the beginning to let all these surface before getting into the technical stuff. So that's that's been been um, always a challenge. It, whether it's web design development, um, marketing technology, or you know an engineering UI company like us. Yeah, it's always it's always a challenge about you know what's the I think and you said this at the very beginning of the podcast is you need to be speaking the language of the person that you're you're speaking mm -hmm. with. I mean, it seems so obvious, yeah. right? But the reality is, as though everybody you know it m might be speaking. English or, you know, one of several human languages within each one of those human languages is literally a million different actual languages, uh, which is carrying on the, the context of what those people experience in their, in their daily lives. And so it sounds like what I'm hearing is that there's a specific language within this business. And part of it is learning to speak parts of that language, but then also be like, you know what, I need an interpreter, or I need to bring in someone to speak to this person in their language. On the flip side, I think it's also great too, in that, you know, I'm not a native speaker of some of these higher level concepts, right? And I think that our strength here is in speaking that strong technical language that other technical people can, you know, bond with immediately. But you know, when you start backing up and just talking about those higher level business concerns, uh, it's really great also to have someone who speaks that natively. And, you know, that also that language of even higher than that of, hey, let's understand each other's problems here, which is something that you're very fluent in. Um, so it is interesting to see that there really is many, many different languages within one language. I think even within the, the technical conversations, there are multiple languages. Um, there are different mm -hmm. levels of, I, would, I don't want to say understanding, but different levels of comfort and familiarity with different uh, technologies, with different stacks. Um, and so a, a lot of the, the conversations we have are with companies that um, aren't as comfortable in the stack that we're as comfortable in. And we're presenting that to them. And that's why they're coming to us in the first place is because we have that expertise and we have to translate it into a, a thing that they understand and that fits their needs. And that's something I think you guys are really good at. I don't know if you're, you're giving yourself enough credit there, but I think you do <laughs> ask really good questions about like, you know, tell me about the experience you want to build. What type of goals are attached to this project? You guys ask about timeline. That That's a goal. We want to get launched by then. You guys ask, um, you know, what would you say the strengths of your team are? I've, I've heard these questions when you're talking about requirements. So you can start to assess, you know, how complex, how much we're going to have to pair program with them, help them, you know, so, so I think you guys do ask about goals and plans and challenges. It's just kind of packaged up a different way. 
Yeah. Part of that is just uh, having, you know, borne the battle scars of not uh, not asking those questions up front. (laughs) (laughs) Rather than uh, than gravitating to them (laughs) through intuition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we we all unfortunately or fortunately learn that way, right? (laughs) Don't step in the puddle. Don't step in the puddle. Oh, (laughs) did it again. (laughs) Oh, man. Is there any way to learn that doesn't involve... uh, you know, stepping in the puddle or stepping on the tack or uh, falling out of your chair. I guess if you're a baby and you don't know anything yet, you're, you're maybe 50-50. <laughs> you'll get some of them right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it is funny. I um, Just a brief diversion. I just remember there was a period in her life where my daughter would just randomly fall out of chairs. <laughs> Like just randomly, you know, I mean, just out of nowhere. It wasn't like she was sitting precariously or whatever. It's just she would just fall out and it happened a lot. And, you know, I was like, wow, <laughs> sitting in a chair is a learned skill. Anyway, that just made me think about that is that, that, that there was actually was this pain-based learning process there. Oh, I wonder what the uh, response was. Did the room laugh? Did the room say, oh, let me help you? Maybe. I maybe mean, she yes, was ahead the, of the game <laughs> in the condition <laughs> response. <laughs> No, I mean, a lot of times it involved tears, oh, uh, which okay. made the laughing worse. Oh. I mean, you, you can't you, you you can't help but laugh. You can try. You can also hide it. Yeah, so, yeah. Maybe we do need to fall a few times to learn stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ginger, you know, if you could summarize what your business development process looks like in a few sentences uh, before before we head out, I would say, you know, take your time. When you're talking to new people, you know, get to know them, get to know who the person is, get to know what their pains are before you tell them how you can help them. And on the empathy side of it, I I think the key to empathy is really to remember that it's really not about telling your story, you know, matching them at every step. It's really about understanding their story. All right. I really like that. And I really like the process that you're building here. There you have it, folks. With that, I'm Charles Lowell from The Front Side. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you, Jeffrey. Thank you, Ginger. And uh, we will see you all next week. 